politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 FM, KPFK in Los Angeles, broadcasting for all of Southern California from Santa Barbara to San Diego, and live streaming for the entire world, planet Earth, at kpfk.org. Nice to be with you. Thanks for uh, joining us live, again, whether the broadcast or the live stream. We do podcasts to all podcatchers and aggregators, and we post on YouTube as well. In case you missed the show, it's available on demand. But, boy, if you can join us live every Tuesday at 1 o'clock, you can be part of the group mind. And I feel it. I think you can feel it, too, to be here with the folks who are listening live on the radio. And uh, KPFK makes it all possible. And remember, KPFK is your radio station. Anybody that donates $25 or more once a year, imagine $25 or more once a year becomes a member of KPFK. It gives you voting privileges, and you can participate in all kinds of ways. It's community radio. So whether you live locally here in Los Angeles or elsewhere in Southern California or on the other side of the world, it's community radio. It's the most progressive pro-democracy radio station you're ever going to find anywhere. And we really value and appreciate your support. So today's show, I think, is an exciting program. It's all about alternatives to health care. And because we're a program about consciousness, that includes spirituality and health. Sometimes we refer to this one o'clock strip as the spirituality and health strip. So alternative health is our topic today. But uh, it got me to thinking and sort of dovetailed with another uh, concept that I've been pondering only this morning, and that was about uh, the nature of religion, and now I'm going to talk about health care, and we will have a guest who I'll introduce to you in a couple of minutes here. But uh, in both cases, I was just reflecting on how provincial we are. Um, parochial, that word works, myopic, narrow-minded, um, judgmental. <laughs> I guess that's what it really comes down to, and not very curious at all. Why do we judge others? Why are we anxious and nervous and uh, tend to view in a negative light anything that's different? Well, a couple of comments about this. The first thing I think is that anxiety, fear by any name from panic and terror to nervousness and mild apprehension, a little or a lot, anxiety, stress, fear, shatters self-awareness. And one of the ways that plays out mentally is creativity 
is destroyed or eroded and replaced by binary either-or thinking. So we tend to divide the world, not even in a sense of a hierarchy, like bad, okay, good, better, best, (laughs) but as either-or, right or wrong, good or bad. We think of the world as made up of good people and bad people, when, in fact, a couple of weeks in Psychology 101, you'll find that everybody has light and shadow within them. We're all capable of wonderful things, and we're all tempted to be selfish and self-centered. We're motivated by love and generosity and kindness at times, and at other times, fear causes us to behave quite badly. And again, selfishly. So the tendency to view the world as a binary either-or of good and bad, of right and wrong, of us and them, a function of anxiety, of high anxiety, that's, that's really where it begins. But further, I think that our tendency to judge other people is a defense mechanism. And I just want to offer this to you for your Reflection, your perusal, your <laughs> your pondering to see what you can get out of this. When we're quick to judge other people, especially to put them in a negative light, to make fun of them, to mock them, uh, to reject their belief systems or their lifestyles, their their religions, my God, their food or the way they dance, it's really a way of avoiding understanding yourself. That's my argument. Because when we turn to an attempt to understand ourselves, which could be partly mental, it's got to be substantially an emotional endeavor. And when we feel our emotions, the essence of subjectivity, what do we feel? We feel a lot of hurt and heartache and unresolved emotional pain, discomfort, uh, Buddhists call it suffering, but that may be a bit overstated. Anything that irritates us or frustrates us, anything that makes us uncomfortable has some element of anxiety in it. Again, whether you call it fear or just a little bit of nervousness, or a man might say, well, I'm not really stressed out. I'm not afraid, certainly. I do have my concerns, but, well... It's all the same thing. So if every time we go to understand ourselves, but to access our emotional intelligence, we encounter hurt, that's a good reason to turn away and find a defense mechanism, an alternative, which would be to judge others. And I think that's where this provincial attitude comes from. You know, USA, USA, number one to the level of nationalism or ethnocentrism, uh, racism, this idea of superiority or entitlement. With a little bit of examination, you can see how much insecurity is in that. If you're afraid that uh, unskilled immigrants or refugees are going to take your job, you can be angry and hostile toward them or You could go back to school and get yourself a trade. Why are you worried about an unskilled person taking your job away? 
You know, the idea of making a living by working hard but being unskilled and just uh, having some on-the-job training, those, those days are pretty much over. Uh, there will always be a demand for real tradesmen and craftsmen and women, but uh, you need some sort of skill in this day and age. There's, we're a global economy, and there is no shortage of unskilled labor. But it's more than the xenophobia of the anti-immigrant nationalism that we've seen in this country. People will make fun of other ethnicities based on the way they dress. Or, my God, the way they dance or their folk customs or the language that they speak. And I, I see it in religion where the people, tell me, tell me here, I'd love to know what you think about this. Maybe you could email me. And uh, let me know, mb at theagelesswisdom.com, how you feel about this, if you share this. I think the people who are most judgmental about other religions, I'll say it another way, who are most zealous about their own religion being the one right way and the only true religion, are the people that know the least about any other religion or spiritual approach. In other words... That zealousness, that zealotry, is really a defense because they don't know what they're talking about. One of the apparent benefits of organized religion is you don't have to study. You don't have to read any books. You don't have to know anything because the church will figure it out and tell you what the tenets are and explain to you what your belief system should be because, after all, this is the one right way. So without having any idea what the other religions stand for or represent, we see this bias and even hostility. We see jihads and crusades and inquisitions and world wars driven largely by religion, not, not really a competition for resources so much. And whatever the nature of the conflict, this idea that, you know, we're right, and everybody who disagrees is wrong because there's really only two ways anything can be. That's pervasive. And so today's show is about alternative health care, and maybe I'm stretching the point, but it seems to me we see exactly the same thing. Now, Western medicine is dramatic. The, uh, the pharmaceuticals and the surgery, that's basically what allopathic medicine is about. Treating symptoms, largely ignoring causes, but there are alternatives, and there are clearly aspects of good health that doctors will admit they know nothing about. Nutrition, for example. I have several friends who are medical doctors who will readily admit they know very little about nutrition. And what they do know, they learned on their own, not in medical school. Wouldn't you want to learn more about nutrition? Wouldn't you want to learn about Ayurvedic medicine? Wouldn't you want to learn about Chinese medicine? And that's our topic today, by the way. Acupuncture and acupressure and cupping and Chinese herbs. It's only like 4,000, 5,000 years old, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today with my guest, who I will introduce in just a matter of minutes. If you stay with us, you're listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner, and this is 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 
KPFK. We'll be right back. On Tuesday, November 30th, KPFK takes part in the Global Giving Tuesday celebration of generosity in all its forms. As around the world, people come together in sharing acts of kindness and giving voice, time, funds, goods, and advocacy to support communities and causes. For this occasion, KPFK offers its custom-designed Shepherd Fairy 60th Anniversary poster at the special reduced donation level of $100. That helps support KPFK's operations gets you a KPFK membership and one of these hand-signed limited edition 18 by 24 inch pieces. This special offer is good on Giving Tuesday only online at kpfk.org. We invite you to avail yourself of this unique opportunity with your gift of $100 or more. That's Giving Tuesday, November 30th at kpfk.org. Thank you for your generous support. And we're back with our guest today on the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. We're going to talk about Chinese medicine, Chinese philosophy, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. We did a show a few months ago about Feng Shui, and we talked a little about the ancient Chinese culture and how much of it lives today, not only in China, but around the world we talked about Feng Shui, and we talked about Kung Fu. We talked about Confucianism and Taoism, Lao Tzu. And um, we're going to touch on a little bit of that today, too. Primarily, this whole idea of acupuncture and acupressure and the meridians that are not recognized even today by Western science or Western medicine – uh, even Chinese herbs are, it's like nutrition itself. What <laughs> what Western medical doctor can advise you about minerals and vitamins and nutritious food? And, uh, I have friends who are medical doctors, and they'll, you know, when they're not wearing their white priestly robes, they'll admit, no, we, <laughs> we didn't learn about any of that stuff. I don't know about any of that. I'll tell you all about pharmaceuticals and surgery. So I think a lot of us have gone to allied healthcare specialists. And uh, so I've decided to bring a friend of mine in who has been with us before, but I think it was probably 14 or 15 years ago. And so we're long overdue. She has a practice in Los Angeles up in Santa Clarita. And again, I've known her for at least 15 years, probably a little bit more. And it's a pleasure to have her with us today, Kathleen Keneally. And Kathleen, good afternoon, and welcome to the Mystery School on KPFK. Well, Michael, thank you so much for having me here today as your guest. And yes, it's definitely long overdue. I think it has to be at least 15 years since we've done this. And I remember it being a lot of fun then, and uh, great to be able to share information with the with people and to just, you know, have a great conversation with you. So thank you again for bringing me on. You're very welcome. I appreciate you being here. I know you're busy. I recall a story you told me about your father being a medical doctor. And like many daughters, you wanted to follow the path of career path of one or both of your parents. So you thought about being a medical doctor, and he advised you to study Chinese medicine instead. Is that yeah? 
Do I recall that right? What a great memory you have. Absolutely. It uh, From an earliest age, I was working. My dad had a couple of uh, clinics, and I worked in his office from the age of 12. And um, he taught me how to draw blood and do all kinds of other things. And so I was very much involved in my family's business or practice. And, um, you know, I came to a crossroads in my world trying to figure out really – was I, should I go into Western medicine or should I go into Eastern medicine or, or what should I do basically? And my father, um, knowing me as he did said, you know, I think, I think you should become an acupuncturist. Um, and I was at the, at that moment kind of stunned and kind of thought about it. And, uh, he just said, I think that's really would be something that would be very, very, um, not only beneficial for everybody that you came in contact with, but I think it's really, really something that you'd be really good at. And so that was pretty much it. So yes, my Western medical doctor dad is the one that um, guided me to do this uh, holistic medicine, this beautiful, beautiful ancient medicine that is so relevant uh, today, still after thousands of years. Um, and uh, I've never looked back from it. I've been practicing now for over over 20 years, about 20, 21, 22 years. So it's uh, been an amazing journey. So how does one become an acupuncturist? Where do you go to school for something like that? Well, t uh, typically most people get what's called a master's of oriental medicine um, or traditional Chinese medicine, but it's a master's of science. And you have to go to school for to an accredited college for – four years to get a master's. And so in those four years, you're encompassing Western medicine, Chinese traditional medicine, um, herb, herbal medicine, um, and uh, all of that combined. So it's pretty intensive, four years. And uh, and you learn a lot of stuff. So with the training behind becoming an acupuncturist is, is pretty thorough. Um, I don't know if many people know that. I think there's an assumption that it's not that you know, it's two years or whatever, but it's four solid years of um, education. And um, it's, it's, it's a lot. And it's amazing because it really does show we learn how to integrate both Western medicine and the Eastern medicine, um, bringing that uh, Eastern medical philosophy, combining it with the Western and to create really um, amazing uh, and effective treatments for people. You know, a few years ago, when my wife and I lived in Maui, I uh, had a health concern that I wanted to take to an acupuncturist, and you were 2,500 miles away, so I had to find somebody locally on the island, a Russian fellow, as I recall. And, um, you know, he put these very thin little needles into the appropriate places in my body and I don't really remember where they were I think I remember one between my eyebrows and one in my earlobe but uh, the rest I forget but I had a bronchitis problem or breathing uh, episode that I was having a problem with and I had an immediate benefit and I thought how could this affect my breathing how could this improve my breathing and I started studying, like, if this is ancient, they didn't have needles back then. <laughs> you know, how ancient could it be? And my research turned up this story of 
practitioners using these tiny little slivers of stone yep. back in the day. Can you can you explain this? I mean, how would this come about? Well, you know, again, back in ancient times, the, the ancient Chinese looked to nature to explain these phenomenon that was happening in people's bodies. So if there's an excess, there's a flood happening, and then what happens when the flood happens? Everything, you know, gets wet and destroyed and soggy. And if there's like too much heat, what happens? You know, the land gets dried up. And so they were looking to nature to kind of explain and uh, use these as diagnostic tools to kind of figure out what's going on with people with a, someone's health. And I don't know how they discovered the meridians or the energy pathways that you mentioned before, but these are energy pathways. And so Chinese, Chinese medicine is more holistic. It looks at the whole person and the whole body. And so these meridians, if you think of them as like, mm, like freeways, Okay, that run through the body. And so if there's a, an accident on the freeway or there's a, you know, um, a slowing down of the traffic or something's happening, there's a blockage, right? And so the same concept can happen in the body. So when there's a blockage on one of our freeways, it can show up as pain. In our body. So let's say we got a blockage in, in this meridian or pathway in our arm. So we can have pain in our, in our arm or there's a blockage going to our stomach, that pathway. So we can have a stomach ache. So these meridians, um, run through the whole body and they're connected to various organ systems. And so the use of the needle or the, in your case, what you're describing is these thin slices of, of stone is that there's points of electrical conductivity along these pathways, meridians, these freeways. Let's say they're um, exit points, like you're going to get off the freeway to go to someplace else. So they put the needle um, into these points, and it stimulates the energy, which is referred to, people have probably heard this before, called chi. Chi, or sometimes ki in Japanese, they call it ki or chi. And uh, the energy called chi kind of flows through the body, and in ebbs and flows and rhythms, you know, and cycles in terms of how our body functions. And so when we activate these different points, then we're moving the energy and directing it to create wellness, to help the body with its own ability to self-heal. That's basically what we're doing is that we're connecting with the body's ability to heal itself. So I see myself as a practitioner that's actually assisting the body with what it already knows how to do. But because of our lifestyle, the way we eat, um, the stress levels, whatever's going on, these act as those, I've talked about those blocks on the freeways. You know, we get stopped because we're stressing out or we're not sleeping enough or we're not getting enough um, hydration or not eating the right foods. All of these things can block our our vital essence, our chi, our energy. And so that results with us not feeling well. So I kind of hope I explained it, kind of came around about and circled back. But um, that's kind of the essence of this medicine is that looking at everything in a person's and not just symptoms, which is Western medicine's kind of um, way of diagnosing. And so that's why the combination works well together. Well, let's go even further out and then circle back, uh, because I think uh, there is a lot to be learned from this whole concept of not resisting. For example, in Taoism, uh, the idea of resist nothing or go with the flow and the allegory of the water in the stream that comes to a rock and 
doesn't get angry at the rock. It just splits, goes around the rock, and rejoins on the other side. Right. It just continues its flow. And in Kung Fu, we see the same brilliance, which is unlike a Western man who would put up his dukes in a fight and resist and progress and pound. And the Kung Fu master instead uses the energy of the aggressor, brings him in the direction he's already headed, and with a very elegant bit of leverage, puts him on his face, right? Rather than opposing anything. Right. And I get that that's sort of the same thing with healing here. The idea is to clear the resistance so the energy flows and Right. We create harmony in the physical body. How am right. I doing? Yeah, you're doing great. It's like it's <laughs> listening to you talk, it's like a it's almost like an invitation. You know, as we meet the energy in the body and meet the chi, we're inviting the the self correction, you know, and it's kind of like on a biochemical or like another way of looking at it is when when those needles are activating the chi or the energy on a physical level, what's happening is that the blood flow is increasing, endorphins are increasing, you know, circulation is getting better. And so overall, again, going back to the idea of being in the flow, that being in the flow then becomes much more possible. That is that way of releasing the resistance, that we are opening up these pathways so that things can move and flow in such a way. And then we feel better, basically, you know, when things are, we're not resisting, when we're in the flow and things are moving in the way, in the direction that they're meant to go. So yeah, you're doing great. See, in my field, which is hypnosis and meditation, uh, self-hypnosis, visualization, guided imagery, that's all about relaxation when we let go of muscular tension, the product of anxiety and fear and confusion, muscles relax. Not only do the veins and arteries dilate and blood moves with less resistance, but what you're talking about, the flow of energy along these meridians, there's less resistance there as well. So that's why these are really, don't you think, allied fields and even move into areas of nutrition and exercise and oh absolutely sorry absolutely they're all connected i mean and there's there's branches of within chinese medicine with the herbal medicine like you had talked about before too it's like herbal medicine and like using food as medicine that's a big part of chinese medicine as well is eating certain foods at certain times of year um you know in the winter we're not ideally supposed to be eating a lot of cold food because we need to warm this system. We need to encourage blood flow and circulation and digestion where cold energy restricts. So, so like in the summertime, that's when we're eating cool, cooler foods, for example, that are wet and moist and, and, um, rehydrating because it's drier during these, this, the hotter times of the year. So simple things like that, that if you think about it, it's kind of common sense, but so much of Western culture has moved away from identifying with foods in this manner, you know, because we can get everything we're not bound to the seasons, right? We're, we're, we can get anything anytime. So yeah, I know it's all of this is very much allied and connected and exercise and all of it. The hypnotherapy, it's, it's all energy medicine and it's all part of just 
the human condition. You know, it's not um, it's not separate. You know, it's not this like let's make an itemized list of these are all your symptoms. It's more about again looking at it from a holistic standpoint. You know, what's going on in your life and so on. I think it's been about forty years since I heard the term "you are what you eat." <laughs> And to me, that was sort of profound at the time. And then a decade or two after that, I began to hear a lot about the mind-body connection. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized, well, wait a minute, it's, it's not a connection. The body is the mind. The mind embraces the body. So who are we to have disconnected? what's all already been you know, right? connected. Right. So we are what we eat. We are what we feel. We are what we think. Absolutely. We are our intentions. Yeah. We are what we care about. I think that's what's exciting about doing this program every week on consciousness. We are more than what we think. We are what we feel. We are our bodies, of course, but body is impermanent. Energy is what's permanent, cannot be created nor destroyed. We are energy, are we not? Right. Absolutely. We are energy. That's the chi. That's the chi. The chi is the energy, is it? It's the... The vital essence. It's the part of us that invigorates us, that enlivens us, that makes us, you know, be able to have this conversation with each other. It's what we breathe with because of the chi, you know. Um, all it's it's all it's everything, basically. I think uh, George Lucas did us all a favor. He was coached by Joseph Campbell, but the whole idea of may the force be with you. That's the force. Right. Absolutely. That is the force. That is the force. I seem to remember Obi-Wan going on about this in the first movie where he says, you know, it binds everything together. It's the it's the ocean. It's consciousness. It's the one thing that we're all immersed in. Though we may think differently and feel differently, we certainly appear differently. We have different bodies. And yet, like uh, like the ocean, these fish may, in one sense, stand apart, but they're still all in the ocean. Well, and and again, and it all, like you said, it connects us. It connects us like a network, like the meridians in the body. You know, it's that same sort of connective force. And so, for me to be able to take my chi and to take a needle and and insert that needle in someone's body to activate their chi. I mean, as a very concrete um, example of kind of like, okay, that's how we impact each other on this energy level. But, you know, the more uh, abstract or, you know, not as physical, like sticking a needle in somebody and I'm activating their, their energy is the fact, like you just said, that we are always impacting and influencing each other because we are all connected by the force, by the chi, you know, by the all it is basically. So it's um, the medicine is so beautiful um, in its ability to, um, you know, it's simple. 
you know, if you just, it's simplified, you know, we make things so complicated. Like I said, they, they look to nature to determine what was going on? Like, oh, that's what happens when the river overflows, or that's what happens when there's not enough hydration, or, you know, this is what, this is how it looks, and and applying it to the body. I mean, how amazing is that, that they were able to do that? But that again, that it's still so, like I said, relevant and valid right now. Here we are in 2021, and it's it's even more valid in some ways because it's. It's bringing people back to the simplicity of understanding that we don't have to make things so complicated. If we keep keep it simple by eating the right foods, connecting to the seasons, connecting to each other, um, paying attention to our bodies, what's going on, looking, you know, going to a practitioner, going to someone like yourself or me to help identify where are the blocks, where are the things that need to be adjusted, you know, Um it it really is 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 simple in its complexity, I guess. You know what I mean? There's so much to it. But if we can't bring it down to its simplest form, then we are able to access so much more from ourselves. You know, it brings us back into alignment with who we are as energetic beings, you know? One of the uh, ancient concepts from nature that we find in cultures all around the world are the elements. And in uh, Middle Eastern and Western culture, we often run across four elements. I believe the Chinese use five elements. Let's take a short break and come back and talk about the Chinese concepts of the elements. Okay. I know earth, air, fire, water. What, what wood, is wood fire, earth, metal. Wood, fire, oh. earth, metal, water. A little different. Okay, let's find out why. Okay. With my guest, Kathleen Keneally, we're talking about Chinese medicine and philosophy and consciousness. And we'll be back with more. Stay right there. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 KPFK FM in Los Angeles. Hey, everybody. This is Eric Mann, the host of Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. Tired of talking about Trump de dump de dump Tired of talking about what's wrong with the Democrats? How about getting involved in a movement for no cars in LA, no police on the trains and buses? How about working with Black Lives Matter? How about getting U.S. out of Iran and getting their hands off everybody in the world? If this is the kind of organizing show you want, every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, it's called Voices from the Frontlines, Channing Martinez and I will be there. The question is, will you? We need you. See you soon. Kathleen Keneally is my guest today. She's a doctor of Chinese medicine. We're talking about acupuncture, uh, Chinese herbs. Uh, we haven't talked about cupping, but there's so much to this field. Is uh, acupressure traditionally ancient Chinese medicine, or is that the result of uh, Western massage intersecting with Chinese medicine? You know, to be honest with you, I my my first thought is that, yes, it's part of the whole, you know, that acupressure came first before they figured out ways of, of um, using the stone needles, or it's just been part of in conjunction. So as far as I understand, yes, acupressure is part of the whole field of, of Chinese medicine. And it is a modality that can be used in place of acupuncture in some cases where people are very 
um, infirm or weak or even with young children. Sometimes you might just use some acupressure to start with until someone's uh, constitution or their chi or their energy, you know, that they recover a little bit more. They're able to maybe, you know, handle a little bit more. Um, sometimes with needling, you might just put a needle in and take it out. There's all, there's many different actually styles of doing acupuncture, um, that from the range of leaving the needles in for 20 to 40 minutes, um, to stimulating a point and taking the needle right out, um, to variations in between, you know, so there's a whole, all different schools and ways of doing acupuncture. I had an acupuncturist. I've seen several. I even did a TV show where I was hosting, and I had the needles inserted on camera. Actually, that was my first exposure to it, and I was surprised at how thin the needle is and how shallow it goes in. This is, I mean, we should not let a fear of needles prevent you from going to an acupuncturist. It's not a shot. It's uh well, yes, and the needles are very different. You know, the, the shot is a hollow needle, and the, the acupuncture needle yeah. is a solid one, so He's big a very thin. I had an acupuncturist not long ago give me a treatment that involved placing needles and hooking up some sort of, uh, using them like electrodes, connecting some sort of electric stimulation device. And my muscle was had a pulse to it. It was like mm-hmm. spasming in response to the stimulus from the machine. What was that about, do you suppose? It's it's called electroacupuncture, and it's um, very similar to using when you people have used a TENS unit on their body where the, the patches and they put it on various areas. It's the same idea, except this way you're connecting it, uh, clipping um directly onto the needle. And so you're sending a microcurrent into the specific area. It's equivalent to... In olden times where people would stand and they would stimulate the needle like 200 times, they would stand there and spin the needle to really activate the chi to get a very strong stimulation. And there are cases and situations where you would want to do that. Um, more often than not, with pain syndromes, it's very common for them, for people to use um, electroacupuncture uh, in the treatment protocol. Yeah, she was treating some edema at the time, as I recall. But it was uh, fascinating laying there. And you say microcurrent. It must have been a very, very low current because Mm -hmm. I I felt no discomfort. But the muscle was responding to it. The muscle. (laughs) Right, right. The muscle experienced it as as if it were a signal from the brain. And it was uh, tensing and releasing and tensing. It was really a fascinating experience. Sort of fun, if I can say so. Let's talk about the elements again. So in Western mysticism, I know air, earth, fire, water. Air is consciousness. Earth is the physical. Fire is the mental. Water is the emotional. Uh, introduce us to the Chinese version of that. Well, in Chinese medicine, there's there's five elements. It's wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And just as the same way you were making different associations, each of the five elements is connected to many different things. There's different associations. So we have the season, we have um, an, an emotion, we have um, organs that are connected to, we have um, 
a taste, we have a direction, all these different things are associated with each of these elements. And so this is, again, part of our diagnostic diagnostic tools. So, for example, right now, we are in um, the metal element of fall. And so the the color that's associated with the fall is the color of white. And so when someone comes into my office and we're talking and, and the emotion that's connected to it is grief and the organ, one of the organs that's connected to is the uh, organ, the lung, for example, and the large intestine. And so what do we see in terms of what does this mean for people if they come in and so I'm talking to them and I might look and say, huh, their, their face looks really white. And so, and I might hear in their voice that they're sounding very um, um, weepy. Like there's, the voice sounds weeping. There's an energy in their voice that has grief or weeping sound to it. Or they might be talking, I might, they might be having lung problems. And so all of these things are telling me that there's some metal element imbalances going on. So that's one part of the way we diagnose. We're looking, we're looking, we're hearing, we're smelling. Um, this is all what we're doing when people come in to, to be, to be treated by an acupuncturist. And so, so for example, this time of year right now, what are we noticing in nature, right? We're noticing the leaves are falling from the trees. And so this is a time of year as we're moving into, again, I don't know if we talked a lot about the yin and the yang, but the yin is more of the feminine energy. The yang is the more masculine, more active energy. And so yin is dark. Yang is light. Yin is, you know, slow moving. Yang is active and bright, you know. So so we're moving into a more yin time of year. We're leaving the most yang time, which is the summer, and we're moving into a more yin time, um, which is uh, the fall. Now, the ultimate yin is is winter. That's when we're completely, you know, going into the quiet time. But now fall is a transitional, and so during the fall is when we're 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 guided to let go. And so, what is grief? We have lost something of value to our lives, um, whether it be a human or something, some other, something else we have lost. And, and so the season is about that energy. And so we are encouraged to let go just as the leaves are falling from the trees. We are encouraged to let go of all the things that are no longer serving us because we are preparing, we have collected our harvest. And so now we've got, you know, we've got to bring stuff in to fill us up because we're preparing to get ready for the winter where we're going to go into hibernation. So this whole beautiful thing about this, the elements and the seasons, it's about, it's about a journey, right? It's where we're going. And you start with the spring, which is really in Chinese um, culture is the new year. That's when the Chinese new year happens is in the springtime, because that is the fresh start. And that is the beginning. And that is the beginning of the life cycle where you find, you know, here in Western culture, what are we doing for the new year? We're in dead winter. Okay, that's not the time to be making a fresh start. That's not the time to be pushing forward and letting, you know, the energy of the season to carry us forward. Wintertime is when we're maybe ruminating, when we're like making our plans, we're hunkering down. But the spring is when we launch into like that energy pushes us forward into the fresh start and new beginning. So it really marks the life cycle. And so it's a journey. It's like, where are we going in, in this whole process? It's just I love it. I'm really, I did extra studying. I got my master's in Chinese medicine and then I did an additional year of study um, with Dr. Neil Gumenick and 
he does the Worsley tradition, which is all about classical five elements. And it's, it's just amazing when you understand this part of it. So anyway, it's a journey. And so we are journeying as human beings through these different elements and through these different seasons. So again, in my practice, during the, the metal time or the fall, what I'm seeing showing up for people, people are, are there's it's a lot of dryness also going on. So people are constipated. People are not having ability to let go, right? They're having bronchial problems, lung problems, upper respiratory. Again, the lung is being impacted. So I see more of this showing up during this time of year. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, again, I've been, uh, doing this for such a long time and uh, I do seasonal treatments and so on to kind of fortify people during the seasons that we're currently in. But it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful. I just, I love it so much. It's makes so much sense to understanding the world and our health. How do the five elements line up with the four seasons? Oh, that's a really good question. I get that question all the time. So there's actually five seasons. So the summer season is actually divided into two parts. We have um, the first part of summer is like is is called um, summer. Basically, the first six weeks starting with uh, June, June 21st. And so six weeks into that, then it shifts into what's called Indian summer. And so Indian summer goes from like middle of August until September 22nd. And so that's the earth element. So spring is, is the wood element, uh, spring, wood, fire. Then we've got summer and then we have fall, which is metal and uh, well, summer, sorry, summer. And then we have late summer, which is the earth element. And then we have metal and then we have the water, which is winter. I remember hearing and I have never bothered to find out whether this is true or not. Maybe you can help us. This idea of, uh, I think it's referred to as the barefoot Chinese doctor, that you pay a doctor until you get sick in the East, and then you stop paying him or her until you get healthy, and then you (laughs) start to pay them again. Have you ever heard that? You know, I honestly, I have never heard that that exact thing that you're describing, but it sounds pretty interesting. It is curious. It's the emphasis on well-being rather than then, right. waiting till you're sick. So. Exactly, which just kind of goes in with the whole idea, right? You want to stay healthy. Well, this goes to my question of uh, patients that you most likely have who are not sick but come to you regularly for maintenance. How does that work? Well, um, as I mentioned uh, a little bit ago about that, I do specific treatments each season to support the immune system and to support the body's ability to just stay healthy. And so I have I do these quarterly and um, I do specific points on the body that that activate the energy of the season that we're moving into. So, for example, uh, in September, I did the fall seasonal uh, treatment, which I did points that activated the metal element in people's bodies. There's specific points because all the points on these meridians, like I said, the lung and the large intestine, um, those two meridians are part of the metal element. So I would stimulate points that are connected to that, that boost the immune system. So I have 
many, many patients that just, I only see them at the seasonal. I see them once a quarter and they come in and they get their boost. And, you know, in general, I have other patients that come out through the year that just want to get a tune up for stress relief for, um, you know, there's been a lot of that going on, right? You know, and emotional balance and, and just kind of trying to be able to manage everything that's going on in their worlds. And so, but the seasonal treatments, I've been doing them in my community now for probably close to 18 years and four times a year I do these events and I treat anywhere from 50 to 80 people in one day. Um, and people come in and it's really, it's turned into, it's very much a celebration of the season. It's a celebration and, of, and a recognition of that we are making this transition. And with that, I give people information about what foods to eat and um, exercises, maybe essential oils, things to, again, enhance their experience of the season so that they stay, you know, as balanced as possible. So um, it's a very, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, modality to bring into people's lives. And so, like I said, I have people that just, you know, come regularly. That's the only time I see them. It's so miraculous to me, such a wonder that our immune system learns from the bacteria and, 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 and virus that, uh, what's plural of virus? Vir vi viruses or viri? <laughs> <Not sure. laughs> the, the viruses are attacked by the immune system slowly, but then it depends on the tenacity of the virus, but in any event, the immune system learns to recognize it. So we get chicken pox once. We get measles maybe once. Mm -hmm. And we can ex be exposed to it after that, but the immune system's already, aha, you know, it's on guard. I, I recognize this right. little bugger here and pounces on it right away. Um, that's the whole idea of the vaccine with COVID, but we're seeing that even people who are vaccinated occasionally will have a breakout or a breakthrough, I guess, uh, uh, infection in spite of the vaccine. So whether we're vaxxed or not, it seems like keeping our immune system strong and honoring our immune system is something we should all consider in any event. Absolutely. And I think the it's been so acupuncture is so vital i believe for people right now and going through this last two years almost two years of the pandemic and so on is that acupuncture not only does it help boost the immune system to keep the body strong and more resilient in um fighting this virus it's it's awesome for treating people if they've already come down with covid and are recovering from covid acupuncture and chinese medicine is very powerful and there's many um, combinations of herbs and supplements and so on that can help support the body in its recovery um, post COVID as well as um, like I said, it's keeping people healthy, whether they've been vaccinated or not. Um, it's still important to keep our immune system strong. It's not that we can get vaccinated and then think, okay, now I don't have to support my immune system. Like you said, the breakthrough is certainly an indication that, no, we still need to keep staying healthy. So it can help boost the immune system so people won't get COVID. We can treat COVID 
um, if people have it actively, and then it's post COVID too. And and sometimes you know I've been experiencing. Um, treating people that maybe have had side effects from the vaccine as well. You know, that they might have a, a sore arm or they have nausea or they don't feel good for a few days. Um, you know, acupuncture and herbal medicine can be very helpful across the board to support people wherever they are in this in their journey with this um, pandemic that we've been dealing with and treating the COVID virus as well. So here's a question that just occurred to me. Do you ever treat People with injury as opposed to illness per se? Um, sure. Uh, I mean, an injury in terms of, give me an example. Oh, I don't know. Pain, uh, inflammation, infection. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Chinese medicine is, is a very, it, it treats things that Western medicine sometimes doesn't know how to address except with giving hardcore medication. It's great for treating pain, um, inflammation in the body, digestive issues. Um, I treat, I do a lot with allergies. I treat a lot of allergies, food sensitivities. It's across the board. Again, the idea is where to identify where the imbalance is in the body that's creating a situation. So let's say, you know, again, our body's ability to heal can be compromised by the fact that maybe we're eating a lot of inflammatory foods and we're um, so our ability to reduce the inflammation, let's say, in our in arthritis, you know, which is a real common thing. Acupuncture can treat that as well as, you know, giving people dietary um, suggestions and and so on to again it all works together so it definitely treats pain and internal medicines women's stuff menopausal perimenopausal talking to my brother the other day and uh he went on one of these weight programs i don't want to endorse one over another but you know there's a number of popular nationwide weight loss programs and he went on one of them, and he lost several pounds right off the bat. Within two weeks, his rheumatoid arthritis went away. And I said, from the weight loss? And he said, no, from the reduction in sugar. Right. Big time. <laughs> he said it was the, uh, my RA was all sugar. Yeah, sugar is the number one one of the main inflammatory substances in our society. And it's, it's one of the most addictive ones as well. So it's, um, it's one of those things that when people come to see me, you know, you know, I look at what they're eating and, you know, it's one of the things I tell people to cut out caffeine. I tell them to cut out sugar um, for the most part, at least initially cut out dairy just so that we can kind of get a baseline. Cause if somebody comes to me and they're completely inflamed, it's like, all right, let's take out all of this stuff that we know potentially can gluten a big one, you know, um, that can potentially impact your system so that we can kind of really get a picture of what's really going on. Because if someone comes in and all you're seeing is the inflammation, then you can't really, you're not seeing a clear picture, but you're definitely seeing a response to something. Kathleen, how can our Los Angeles listeners learn more about you? Do you have a website? What's the best way to reach you? I do. Um, my website is keneallyacupuncture.com. You'll have to spell Keneally. It's K-E-N-N-E-A-L-L-Y, acupuncture, A-C-U-P-U-N-C-T-U-R-E.com. And there they can find out about more about my practice, what kind of services that I offer, and um, how they can get in touch with me. 
For people around the world who are listening on the internet, streaming, or to a podcast, could you recommend some resources, uh, great books to introduce people to the science? Where should people begin? You know, I think a really good book that I think gives a good overview of the five elements is called Between Heaven and Earth and uh, a guide to Chinese medicine. And it's it's got a good explanation of the different five elements and different kind of syndromes and things like that. But it gives a good overview. Who's the author of that? Um, Harriet Binefield and Ephraim Korngold. And the title again? Between Heaven and Earth. Nice. Sweet. It's a good book. Kathleen, thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to do this again, but not wait another 15 years, okay? I think that's a good plan. (laughs) I don't know that I have that lot, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us today. I find all of this fascinating, and it's so responsible to participate in your own health care and to, I think, look beyond Western medicine. I rely a lot on Western medicine, but uh, I I go beyond that to Chinese medicine, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, nutrition, uh, exercise. All of these are allied fields when properly practiced. And, you know, the more the merrier. We're better off for knowing about each facet of the of the precious gem that we are. I agree. And I think um, the beauty of all of those modalities that you've um, just listed is that because each of us are individuals, because we are so unique, that they truly allow us to find what exactly fits for us to achieve our greatest health. So um, thank you so much for inviting me today. And I look forward to doing this again with you and continuing the conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. Kathleen Keneally, my guests, we're talking today about traditional Chinese medicine and philosophy on the Mystery School. Thanks for listening. You can hear this program podcast on any podcatcher, uh, directory, aggregator. We also uh, post to YouTube So if you just search for The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, those four words in Google, you'll find no shortage of opportunities to hear all of the pro. I've got 450-some podcasts, so regale yourself. Help yourself. (laughs) There's a play on words. Help yourself. They're all free and all commercial-free. So the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, our gift to you. Thanks for joining us today on KPFK 90.7 in Los Angeles and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles, this is Michael Benner on KPFK.